Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first-time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Welcome back guys, I'm here, it's Misha for CrossFit versus Pregnancy, this is episode 5, man this is going so quickly, everyone that I speak to about pregnancy says it's going to fly by and one minute you're four weeks and then all of a sudden I'm nearly 16 weeks and so yeah okay it's uh, it's pretty flying by so I'm um, I'm trying to make life slow down a little bit but anyway I'm really happy to be here and I'm really excited to introduce my next guest on the podcast she is someone that I've known for quite a long time and in the fitness industry herself so to give you a little bit of background about this guest she is an ex-British army corporal and an ex-IFBB pro athlete who competed for eight years but retired to have her little boy Jack who is now nearly three which is crazy we've just been talking about that and how time flies She's an online health and fitness coach who helps struggling mums who feel overwhelmed and that don't have time for themselves uh, to create a structure and routine that helps them look and feel incredible. So I'm sure many of you listening that perhaps have toddlers like her, Jack, that feel a little bit overwhelmed might take something away from this. Um, So hi, Mel. How are you? I am so good. I had a really good night's sleep last night, so I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders, which um, if anyone anyone listens to this podcast follows me, know that my sleep is always up and down with my absolutely mad little boys. So (laughs) I'm feeling really good today. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. And I'm really glad to hear that. Sleep is literally (laughs) life. I'm yet to experience the sleepless nights from from Mm. having a child so um i'm gonna try and relish in my non-child sleep at the moment (laughs) literally sleep as much as you can hopefully you won't get a child who is as insane as jack but yeah he's still you know at nearly three years old he still doesn't sleep through the night properly he's still very much like mommy at two o'clock in the morning and uh some nights he'll be he'll just lie there awake for an hour speaking about planets and i'm like what what planet are you on, child? Like, it's the middle of the night. Please go to sleep, please, for your mama's, for your mama's mental health. But um, I mean, yeah. I'm laughing because he's not mine and I don't have the responsibility. They are not so all as insane. <laughs> yeah, they're not all as insane as Jack. I think I just, you know, I picked, I, I was lucky or unlucky. Yeah. No, lucky, definitely. So obviously, the fir- one of the first things that I want to say about Mel is when I asked Mel to be part of this podcast, she came straight back to me and was really honest and said that she didn't have a straightforward pregnancy and actually it was a high-risk pregnancy and then it reminded me of what she had been through um, years prior to that so I think what would be a really important thing to say first of all is what we're about to talk about um, it might be a bit triggering for some people it isn't what we would class as a normal pregnancy or um, you know things that Everybody talks about the, the good stuff. We're probably going to touch on some of the scary stuff that um, happened to Mel. and But I think it's so important to talk about all experiences, the good and perhaps the scary as well. So Mel, why don't you share a little bit about your reproductive health history and, and mm-hmm. what started this kind of high-risk pregnancy? Yeah, so um, back in 2017, I went for my routine um, smear test, you know, didn't think anything of it. I've always had them. Every time I'm called for them, I go for them. I never put them off. Um, And back in 2017, I went for one, didn't expect to have anything bad come back because I never had before. And um, I got my letter through saying that I had... um, Uh, CIN3 changes and I was like what on earth are they so obviously Mm. I hopped straight on Google I was like oh my god um but so yeah I had to go and have um you know a load of a load of checks done and Mm. actually it turned out that I had cervical cancer 
Now, thankfully, um, I say thankfully, but thankfully, and I mean that, um, it was only a very small area. Um, I didn't need to have chemotherapy. I literally didn't have, you know, to have anything done apart from to have that part of my cervix cut away. Um, and then, you know, I had to have checks done every six months and, you know, and, and everything was fine. So, you know, I just... I'm so thankful that I'm someone that always goes to my smear test, always yeah. go to them on time because, you know, they we caught it so early that yeah. it didn't have any other, you know, repercussions. I didn't need any other treatment. They literally just sort of whipped it out <laughs> and yeah. then I was fine, right? Um, they did say to me after that that um, my cervix was shortened and that if I was to fall pregnant and have a baby, I would potentially need what's called a cervical stitch. But in 2017, you know, I was still into my competing. I wasn't really thinking about babies as such. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll, I'll cross that road when I come to it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. fast forward. Um, I then, you know, uh, the back end of 2018, me and, um, or was it back end? Whenever it was. Um, we, Me and Ross decided we wanted to have a baby. And, um, you know, we did discuss the fact that I potentially need a cervical stitch. But because the doctors had said you might, I didn't think, you know, I thought, oh, I probably won't, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I got pregnant um, and, uh, you know, I spoke to my midwife at the booking in appointment and I, I said to her, I said, um, there is the, the chance that I'd need a cervical stitch, explained my history. She said, no worries, I'll get you in with the consultants. Um, so I went to my consultants appointment. Um, I think I was 19 weeks by this point. So up until, yeah. you know, up until 19 weeks, I was sort of under the illusion that, you know, everything was fine. I, you know, I didn't really have many problems. I had a mini bleed at like six weeks, but apparently that's quite common. So, you know, everything was good. My scans were all great, whatever. Went to my, this consultants appointment and she said to me, you know, right, I've just scanned you, she said, and your cervix is extremely short. We need to get you in for a stitch as soon as possible. Well, you know, straight away, as soon as she said that, she was giving me leaflets about preterm birth, late miscarriage. Oh, and I was like, oh my God. And I just remember yeah. sitting sitting in her office, absolutely bawling my eyes out because yeah. until this point, I felt like everything was fine. I, di I didn't mm. think I was gonna need one, you know? And um, I thought I was just lucky. And um, so literally within 48 hours, they rushed me in for a cervical stitch. Um, I had like a spinal blocker done and it's, it's a horrible, I'm not going to lie, it's a horrible experience. You're put on this bed, like up, practically upside down with your legs sort of in the air and as, wow. as split apart as they could be. And you've got like three people looking up your fan doof and you're like, <laughs> what are you doing? You can feel them like tugging away and doing what oh they're doing. God. And it was, yeah. it was such, and cause you can't feel your legs, can you even? And I was like, mm. this is so, anyway. So yeah, I had the stitch done. And um, yeah, so that was at 19 weeks. And um, so the whole reason I needed that cervical stitch was because I, you know, basically my cervix was uh, classed as incompetent, which is a great way of putting it. I had oh, cervical God. incompetency, yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah, so. Pick a nicer word. I know, right? I was like, <laughs> it's incompetent, brilliant. So I have an incompetent cervix. So yeah, basically what they do with this stitch is they, they basically sew it together. So because it's short and it's not as strong as it could be, um, what can happen is that it just gives way. So you either have um, you know, a really late miscarriage at like 20 odd weeks, um, or you give birth you know, far too early. And, yeah. um, you know, and obviously you don't want any of that to happen. No. So they stitch you up to try and strengthen your cervix, try and keep everything up there. Um, and I also had to have um, progesterone pessaries as well. So mm -hmm. that is to um, help strengthen your, your cervix. And, yeah. And those you have to shove up your bum. So that was that was also an interesting experience for what me. Yeah, what a lovely sort of start to your second trimester. Yeah, so that was that was amazing. So yeah, that's just sort of the the background on it really. That it, it was all because you know um, I had a, a little bit of cervical cancer, I had to have it removed, and then my cervix was just too short and too weak um, to carry the pregnancy on its own. So yeah. they had to you know intervene medically. Well. It's really interesting that you talk about this. I personally can't say that I've ever shared um, the same experience of cervical cancer, but several times, do you know, I couldn't even tell you how many times it feels like almost every time I have a smear, I've had um, abnormal cells. Mm -hmm. So I've had several procedures uh, without it being cancerous to yeah. have biopsies or um, I can't remember the term, but it's basically a burning of the skin to kind of yeah. remove these abnormal skills, sorry, cells. And so freaked me out a couple of weeks ago. So naturally when you have your first scan at 12 weeks and they do your blood tests and they do all the checks, they say, okay, 
So if everything is cool and you're low risk, you'll receive a letter in the post in a couple of weeks. If you are at high risk of any of the genetic chromosomal disorders, you'll get a phone call from us in the next three days. So wait three days, no phone call. Perfect. Two days after that, I received a letter in the post. We all know what NHS letters look like. Mm. I opened it and without any explanation, they had booked me an additional uh, a scan. It didn't give me any information as to why. All it said mm. was the name of the scan. Um, it was called a, now let me see if I can get this right without looking for it. It was called an, a US cervical length TV or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, like I say, no explanation, no advice at my first midwifery appointment that this was something that might happen considering my, um, you know, my health of my smears in the past. So naturally, I did exactly what you did. I Googled it. I freaked mm. out. It was to, to measure my cervix, probably similar to the process that you had done. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, there's something wrong with me. You know, why, why has nobody explained what's going to happen? Fortunately, I have my beautiful in-house podcast midwife, as I call her now, who <laughs> I messaged about the situation and she explained that it would be why because of the procedures I've had done previously. So... I've actually got that in a couple of weeks time so um, as much as again the extreme of my health or you know previous situations with my smears weren't as extreme as yours I'm certainly experiencing the same thing and there was there was kind of no reassurance for me I, I think for yeah. you it sounded like you had you anticipated that this was coming because you yeah. explained it and they probably said to you, this is what you're going to need. Is that right? Did they explain that this is what you would have to have done? Yeah. So yeah. Um, in all of my, my treatments, because I, I had quite a few treatments and biopsies and stuff like that, like, like you yeah. did, um, they, they did sort of, in fact, you know what? I asked the question. I said, am I going to be able to have a baby normally? And they said, what you might need is a stitch. I was like, right, okay. okay. So I always had it in the back of my mind that I would. And then obviously at my booking in appointment, my first appointment, I said, you know, I explained the situation and, and she sort of spoke to me about it. Um, but yeah, it actually, it took a while to get the appointment to come through um, because I had to ring back up and explain my situation again. So I had to follow up from the original booking in appointment, which then obviously made me even more anxious because I hadn't heard yeah. anything back. And yeah. yeah, I mean, they did sort of offer me the reassurance that, you know, don't worry if you need to have a stitch, you know, we'll give a stitch. They have a high success rate, you know, and, yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I was sort of reassured. But for you, you obviously haven't had anything explained to you, which which no. is worse yeah well it's, whether it's worse or not is is kind of irrelevant it's just I'm pretty I would say I'm quite a laid-back person in general and yeah. so to receive a letter like that and think what the hell is this and then be reassured and then be like oh, okay you know it's it's one of those things it's it's for the best and and if my cervix is shorter than normal then I'll just be under consultant care which is great I'll get to see my baby more often and you know yeah. all of those things but for someone who perhaps is a little bit more of, you know, perhaps anxious about their pregnancy, perhaps like you, they have more of a extreme um, experience with their reproductive health and that they get something like this through with no explanation, they're going to freak out and it's going to mm -hmm. make them really worry. So to hear that, well, from what I'm hearing from you, because you had the reassurance and you had the the expectation that this was going to happen, you were pretty relaxed about the whole thing. Would you say that that was how it was at the time or were you worried about what might happen? I'm somebody that keeps a really positive mindset, like yeah. not not a lot really shakes me that much I, I would say um normally you know I, I practice gratitude I journal a lot and and I've really sort of taken care of my mental health through through the years um but I think when you get pregnant and you you know are carrying a life inside you it doesn't matter sometimes how positive you are or mm. how grateful you are or how many times you journal a day things are going to shake you and things are going to knock you yeah um because I tried not to think the worst, but you just can't help it sometimes, you know, yeah. and, and when, you know, after I had the stitch done, I was obviously then reassured that because, you know, right, they're, they're doing everything for me. I have appointments every two weeks. I'm going to have scans every two weeks. They're going to check up on me. Mm -hmm. So I felt really reassured that I was being really looked after by the consultants and my consultants were actually incredible. You know, oh, that's I, great. If I ever had any questions or any fears, I had a line that I could phone. Um, and yeah, they were they were really brilliant. And I did feel really, really looked after. 
but I wouldn't say that I was chilled about the situation. I felt reassured because I was being looked after, mm-hmm. but I was still a really like anxious, scared person. Yeah, um, yeah. Because after you have the stitch done, obviously you're high risk and there's so many things that you cannot do. So um, I was told obviously no exercise whatsoever, literally couldn't. So, so for me, I visioned myself when, you know, having this fit pregnancy, still being seven and a half, eight months, squatting, you know, training, yeah. all these like fit women you see on Instagram, like doing everything with their bump and, you know, being an ex-competitor and all that. Like that's how we visioned my pregnancy being, you know, and I, and I was going to relish in the fact that I was going to train through my pregnancy. And I sort of had it in my head that I was going to do, you know, follow my whole pregnancy journey through Instagram with training and stuff like that, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And share it but then you know to get told you can only do a 20 to 30 minute walk a day the rest of the time you spend at home basically with your feet up um was like wow wow, you know um and so in that I lost one of the things that I love doing that keeps my mental health in check you know I love training I love moving my body Mm -hmm. um and we could we also felt like we couldn't go too far away from the house because we had to stay close to the house because of you know being near the hospital in case anything happened and yeah, like I couldn't even hoover, which I didn't mind, obviously. But when Ross heard from the consultant that, you know, I couldn't even touch the hoover, he was like, God damn, <laughs> like she can't even run the hoover around the house. Like, what is this about? So it was, um, yeah. And, and, you know, you, you do stupid things when you when you're in a bit of a, a state like you Google a lot. And mm-hmm. I was part of a Facebook group um, for women with incompetent services, if I can say the word. And um for as many positive stories they were in there for women that had had the stitch and they'd had full-term babies and their pregnancy were great. Um, there were just as many stories in there from women that had, you know, their, their, their stitch had, had given through and, and hadn't worked and they had given birth at 22 weeks and their baby didn't make it. Oh, and, um, or, or ladies that had given birth at like 26 weeks and then, and then unfortunately their, you know, their baby hadn't developed enough and then it had disabilities and, and all this sort of stuff. And, And I specifically remember, I'm probably going to get emotional right now, but I specifically remember one day I was lying in bed and I could, I think I was about 22 weeks and I could feel Jack like kicking around in my belly, moving around. I could feel his little feet, you know, tickling, you know, and actually he used to play football in there. And um, I remember touching my belly and I remember thinking, please, God, let this stitch work because... Because I can, you're in there, like I can feel you, you're you're an actual baby and... If you come in the next two weeks, like you're not going to make it. They're not even going to try and help you make it because mm. a pregnancy obviously isn't like a, a pregnancy isn't viable or, or whatever they, they say it is until 24 weeks. Right. So mm. I was like, please, I remember just praying to God, lying in bed, absolutely sobbing my heart out, just thinking, sorry, just thinking, please just let him let him make it. I'm, I would just remember being so absolutely petrified Um, and that was one of the really low points of my pregnancy where it just massively I think for I think even though I know past 22 weeks it doesn't mean the baby is uh, 24 weeks I know it isn't um that your baby is safe and going to be healthy and all that sort of stuff but getting to 24 weeks was a bit of a milestone for me because I knew that he had a chance if my cervix gave way Mm -hmm. so yeah through my pregnancy I tried you know I was so grateful to be pregnant I was so happy that I had you know that the NHS were helping me as much as they could and I was having these appointments every two weeks and you know I felt really really lucky but at the same time my pregnancy was like a really anxious scary time it just wasn't the pregnancy that I had hoped obviously you know I'm so grateful for it but it just wasn't I don't know you know you just see these people that just bloom and and I just feel like Mm. I was I was scared I was scared throughout the whole the whole time it's totally understandable and and I don't think unless you have some really terrible underlying health condition where you're told that pregnancy wouldn't be simple you I don't think anyone anticipates having a a difficult pregnancy if they Mm. choose to get pregnant and it's and you know you get pregnant you know it from the sounds of it it wasn't it wasn't a tough time for you actually conceiving it was just you know you got pregnant so we were really surprised (laughs) exactly and for someone who has you know that the the problem who had the problem that you did with your cervix and and the cancerous cells and everything else you were probably like oh this is going to be a breeze we got pregnant so easy and then you run into this it's totally understandable that it was such a a scary and anxious time I want to kind of just go back to before you were pregnant you mentioned just then about 
you were told that you couldn't do any exercise at all and that was that was about 20 weeks was it when you were told that yeah so straight um straight away after my initial my initial sort of check that they they did for me um mm -hmm. where they said right we need to get you in for a stitch as soon as possible mm -hmm. um they said don't do anything over this weekend so okay. i had my my appointment with them on the friday and my stitch was booked in for, I think it was like 9am Monday morning or something. They literally got me in as soon as they could. Mm -hmm. And they said, do not do anything this weekend. Like no baths. So I couldn't even have a bath because, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they explained to me why I couldn't have a bath, actually. Something about the bath water potentially making your cervix softer. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Wow. But yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if that's a thing or if that's just what I didn't google that one i just sort of did what i was told but yeah, yeah. yeah they said like no more baths um no you know you can go for a 20 to 30 minute walk but no exercise like don't exert yourself don't hoover like nothing we need to get this stitch done so no more training no more exercise and you know to be honest up until that point i hadn't been feeling well enough to exercise anyway okay. the first sort of 14 weeks absolutely yep mashed me I, yeah. I think I slept for like 22 hours a day I don't know how I managed to even keep any clients on board because I would just like message them back like short messages and you know I tried to do my job as effectively as I could but I was so tired and I was so sick and I was so nauseous and I couldn't eat anything but bread and crackers and um you know up until 14 weeks I hadn't really felt like training anyway but then sort of around 16 weeks I remember going back in the gym for my first shoulder session again I felt so good I felt yeah. energized I was like yes like this is what I want like I've missed training so much mm -hmm. um, so I'd only been training again for like another two weeks two and a half weeks and, and feeling really positive and then obviously no you literally can't do anything don't go anywhere don't do anything go for a walk around the block and that's about it so that was another sort of mental um mental health hit for me really because yeah. we all know that training just makes us feel so good doesn't it and um yeah. i'd only just got back into it to then get told literally please don't do anything so uh, yeah i can only imagine that that was a that's kind of kind of the main reason that i started this podcast was the fear of not being able to do the things that make me feel good both physically mm. and mentally so i can only imagine to, you know when I've been injured in the past to be told you can't do this you can't do that it's it's a huge mental blow to, to think I can't do what makes me feel good so yeah I can only imagine how how difficult that was so as a comparison between before you were pregnant until you you obviously just said about not feeling being not feeling capable to train in those first 14 weeks but before you got pregnant how many how many times a day how many times a week were you training and um, so when I was, I mean, I finished competing in the July and we got pregnant in the February. Um, mm -hmm. And so up until sort of July, obviously, when I was competing, I was training like six days a week, twice yeah. a day. Mm -hmm. um, but I hadn't had a period for like the best part of 18 months. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew that I had to take my foot off the gas a little bit. You know, I knew yeah. I had to put body fat on. I knew I had to get my periods back. Um, and by the December, I had actually got my periods back, which was, you know, really, really good. So yeah. um I was then sort of training like four times a week mm -hmm. and just doing like a real variety of stuff actually. So obviously when I was competing, it was all, you know, weight training and, and doing a, a body split and stuff like that. But I was actually really enjoying trying a, a different variety of training. I was doing some CrossFit circuit stuff. I was doing like um, AMRAPs. I was sometimes just doing like cardio. Sometimes I was weight training. I was really enjoying just exploring a much wider variety of training and I think yeah. that's why I was even more upset because I'd found you know towards the end of competing I was starting to resent training a little bit because it was mm -hmm. just the same like weight training sessions and you know and for the purpose of competing but I'd really found a, a new passion for trying new things yeah um but yeah I was, tra I was training about four times a week and then you know maybe going for a run once a week or something so I was trying to actually get fitter at the same time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that going from you know by choice four times a week and and having so much variety which is part of what I love about training I agree completely about that transition from competitive training to the lifestyle I guess mm. lifestyle training to then being not able to train because you felt and that was a choice right that that was a physical need but also a choice where you didn't yeah. feel capable to train to then going yay I can move again and then being told no you can't you can't yeah. do anything it's no wonder it was a huge blow to your mental health huge and yeah so that was what a, 
I don't know what did you say like 80 19 20 weeks that you were told not to do anything at all apart from yeah. walk yeah. so that was you know only halfway through your pregnancy but so essentially another four and a half months you could not do anything except for walking yeah. how did you find that I guess both physically and mentally um did you feel the physical effect the mental effect what do you think was worse for you over that time do you know what it's I really I I really tried to switch my thinking so I went through like about a two-week period where I was like mourning the fact that I couldn't train anymore when I just started really really enjoying it um and just feeling a little bit like obviously scared but also a little bit sorry for myself like I was in a bit of a like I, I did have a bit of a pity party I'm going to be totally honest with that one mm-hmm. um but then I just I really tried like I said I, before I'm really someone that tries to keep a positive mindset so I really tried switching my thinking and of course I had those days like I, I explained earlier where I was laying in bed like bawling my eyes out with yeah. anxiety but I I mostly just focused on the positives which were right, I'm pregnant. There are so many people out there that try for years and years and years and they don't conceive. There are so many people that spend so much money on IVF trying to conceive and they don't and it's unsuccessful. So I just try to really focus on the positives that, you know, at the moment, my baby is healthy. I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that he stays where he's meant to stay until he's fully baked you know I was following all of the right advice I you know and and yes I couldn't train but I was I was going out for daily walks and listening to podcasts so even though it was just a walk I was still moving my body in the way they said I could and that obviously helped me and listening to podcasts you know really helped me and I threw myself into I think something that really helped me was I threw myself into a pre and postnatal course so um, to become a, um, you know, qualified in, in pre and postnatal training. And that really helped me because it kept me busy. You know, so time that I was used to dedicate to training, I was yeah. studying instead. And, and that, you know, and I found it so interesting um, learning about pregnancy and, and, you know, training in pregnancy and all that sort of stuff. So it was really, I, I, I think I had like ups and downs, but mm-hmm. I really tried to focus on the positives of the fact that I was actually pregnant and, you know, I was under the best care that I could be under. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just tried to vision that actually it's worth, you're like, okay, it's going to be another couple of months, right? But I will train again one day. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, this isn't going to happen forever. I'm not going to be like this forever. Mm-hmm. He's going to pop out at some point and I will be able to get back to training. And... I actually then just started really enjoying the journey a lot more when I oh, let go of the the identity that I sort of thought I had, yeah. you know, like and 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 who I thought I was, and just accepted. You know, I think acceptance is the first is the first thing you just need to do. Like accept the fact that okay, okay, you can't train for the next few months. Okay, well, your baby, you're going to be a mum in a couple of months. Like how incredible is that? You can trade it in, um, you know, to be a mum. But yeah, I think. I think it was hard physically and mentally, mm-hmm. but working on my mindset throughout my pregnancy and throwing myself into a course and, you know, listening to positive podcasts and learning more about being a mum and all this sort of stuff just just helped me keep my eye on what was truly important, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's so lovely. It's again it, it says a lot about the person that you are rather than what you're what is expected or, you know, what you're told to do, you know, oh you shouldn't be upset about it because your baby is healthy or because you are pregnant it was just something that you did naturally and again I'm sure that there are many women that are either pregnant struggling or have struggled to get pregnant who are in the same position as you who perhaps have struggled a little bit more with acceptance and and so to hear that from someone like yourself who has been through a really tough time whilst they were pregnant and losing something that was such a huge part of your life is really inspiring to think that if you can do it then I'm sure many others um could could do the same Mm. so uh, I mean that's fantastic well a huge congratulations to you to be able to say that you did that and that you did that I think yeah thinking about putting myself in your shoes almost would I be able to do that at the moment I feel like I don't think I would but I guess we all adapt in the ways that we have to appropriately for for the situation but being able to continue to train throughout my first nearly four months has been actually a huge part of my journey in that the only thing that helped me to stop 
feeling nauseous was training so <laughs> that was a, that was a huge motivator for me to get up and go to the gym every single morning it was the only thing that helped yeah. so if I'd have lost that I don't know if I'd have been quite so grateful <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I think you sometimes just go well I've got no choice yeah of course what, what of I've course. got no choice here I'm being told I can't do this mm. and so I can either be really really upset and cry and wallow in self-pity and not I don't mean that in a horrible way but you know just feel really sorry for myself and continue feeling sorry for myself or I can just accept that this is the yep. way my pregnancy oh, yeah. is going to be and still continue to enjoy my pregnancy because it's such a magical time and and as much as I would have liked to have not have needed a stitch and stuff like that as as you've said you go for more scans you see your baby yeah. more often like every two weeks I was seeing I was seeing him grow and develop whereas you know with a normal pregnancy you go for your scan at 20 weeks and then that's it like oh see see you soon when your baby's due yeah. um so in a way I'm I'm not saying I would have wanted it but you know it's I I had lots to still be grateful for absolutely um, there, were, there were lots of positives about your journey yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's lovely so I guess another way of approaching this would be to see if you had any other advice did you seek any other professional advice about what else you could do if you could or were you quite happy with the consultant's advice that you got I know you mentioned that just now as well that you did focus your time on a pre and postnatal pregnancy uh, course which is amazing so I, f I guess you felt quite informed from that as well yeah. um yeah but yeah did you approach any other professionals not maybe in this just the sense of coaching or training but perhaps in terms of pelvic health or you know previously uh, emma one of our interviewees mentioned that she went to see um a pelvic health physi physiotherapist and that kind of thing so mm -hmm. did you get any external help other than your consultants um no i didn't <laughs> um i um I because I was doing the course and obviously reading up so much about um yeah. you know core exercises that you can do throughout your pregnancy breathing exercises pelvic floor exercises and all of that actually doing the course encouraged me to continue to start doing that and to, and to yeah. do it myself you know and and I think that was really good because you know afterwards I didn't have any issues with my pelvic floor or anything yeah. like that I'm so thankful that you know I you know I don't have any you know issues with incontinence or anything like that um and my recovery was actually post giving birth with jack my, my birth my birth wasn't bloody straightforward either which is just typical of the whole journey but you know um i was actually really thankful that everything was you know fine afterwards in a way um but i you know i did i did do a little bit of research and i did re-ask people about exercise because i was still craving something do you know what yeah, i mean because i was yeah. obviously really nervous of putting on too much weight as well because i didn't want to put on too much weight i know we all put on weight during pregnancy but i didn't want to put on an excessive or unnecessary amount of yeah. weight so i yeah. still crave some form of movement and i remember um asking my consultant i think it was at my 26 28 week appointment and um, I said you know is now that I'm at 28 weeks is there anything that I can do she was like I suppose that you could just do some spin like some gentle spin if you want to and I was like oh really I've got a spin bike at home she was like yeah do you know what 15 20 minutes on the spin bike nice and steady shouldn't cause any problems I was like okay wicked went home did spin <laughs> had a bleed ended up in hospital for five days <laughs> so I was like really not meant to exercise during this pregnancy am I <laughs> So, um, so yeah, that, um, that was, that was a, again, another realization for me, just like Mel, put, just enjoy putting your feet up for the next few weeks, just stop pushing it. Um, but yeah, I, I did work on my, my pelvic floor and, and core exercises cause I could at least do that, you know, um, and a little bit of stretching and stuff to try and keep my, keep my hips healthy. But that was, that was about it. I didn't see anybody else. Well, that's still though, being able to do those things was oh, amazing. Yeah, 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 amazing, and, and so important regardless of your pregnancy journey, um, and unless you are quite frankly told not to do that either, mm. those those things I'm learning and and have read and you know various various uh, various people explaining how the importance of it that yeah those things are fundamental to help you post pregnancy. Yeah. So so let's talk about that post pregnancy. You mentioned that you had a pretty swift sort of transformation I guess back to normal life so how how long was it when you could start training again post-pregnancy and how was that experience for you 
So I started doing um, body weight workouts. Uh, I say workouts, literally just squats and lunges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like about two weeks after I had Jack. Um, oh, I, bet. I bet it felt amazing. It didn't. I felt so <laughs> stiff as a board. I literally couldn't even squat my own body weight. I remember getting doms from like 10 squats and five lunges. I was like, this is going to be a long old road. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I was a little bit disheartened to start with because I was like wow this is actually so difficult mm. um but at the same time I it felt so it did feel good you know it did feel good to actually be able to just move again even if I you know I knew it was going to be a massive challenge yeah um I I just and and you know if, if I if I have a new mum that comes to me and says oh you know I want to start training all this that and the other protocol is and the right way to do it is to say right until you've had you know six weeks post-pregnancy and, and all of that like you shouldn't really be doing that much concentrating your pelvic floor and your core exercise and stuff like that but for me you know sometimes we don't listen to our own advice mm-hmm. and I felt you know I felt fine you know I felt all right I healed pretty well like I didn't really need many stitches or anything like that and um you know everything felt fine down there um so I just yeah, I just got back back into just body weight stuff because it just felt so good to move. And I was going out for much longer walks with Jack. You know, it was it, I would just shove him in the pushchair and we'd go out for like two hour walks oh, every single it. day. And it was just, and I think that is what contributed to me. Um, I didn't lose my baby weight fast. It was, it took me about nine months, but, um, you know, just to move again, just to be out in the fresh air for longer than 20 minutes a day, just to be able to wear different clothes and be able to touch my toes and, and do mm. some squats and some lunges. It just felt incredible. And like I said, I did feel a little bit sorry for myself in the beginning, but actually I relished in the fact that it was going to be a challenge. And so yeah. that's what I threw myself into rather than feeling like, oh my God, this is going to take forever. And that is the athlete's mindset that we always look for. And I've already said this to so many people, as much as I'm relishing the new reality that I'm living and learning so much and and experiencing this crazy change that my body's going through and really enjoying seeing that happen and feeling that happen and, and trying to work through it uh, in this. And I love the challenge of that. I'm also so excited of the challenge post-pregnancy mm. of getting back to what I deem to be a really great place with my training. My, my mindset's changed pretty heavily now about aesthetic. And of course, I'm sure I'll be wanting to get back to pre-pregnancy weight for the purpose of my performance. But I ha- I'm so excited about what I'm going to be capable of post-pregnancy and, and challenging myself. And I think that's definitely an athlete's mindset right there when you say, I, I love the challenge as much as it was difficult. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's awesome. I love that. It, so- really makes you, it really makes you appreciate your body to a, on a whole new level. Mm. You know, pregnancy made me, you know, I love Jack more than life itself. I look at him and I just want to squish his face and eat him. Like, I love him <laughs> so much. I could literally, like, squish until his head pops off like he is everything to me and knowing that yes my pregnancy wasn't straightforward but knowing that my body did that knowing that my body went through what it went through I carried him I gave birth to him you know I fed him for you know his first six weeks of life knowing that I did that like like you say you're not so focused on aesthetics anymore but it brings this whole new level of love and appreciation Mm. and you think my body is actually effing incredible like how women's women's bodies are nuts like they're literally insane we give birth to real life humans and it's just it gives you this whole new appreciation to how your body works how it mm. functions how you view it um and and that's what's been a massive change for me as well with my mindset in terms of how I look because you know if I was to compare myself to how I looked competing to how I look now and I just cared about what I look like you know I would be maybe a bit upset sometimes yeah. <laughs> but um I'm not because my attitude towards my body massively changed as well I think there isn't one woman that I've spoken to post-pregnancy regardless of their attitude towards their personal aesthetic before they were pregnant that hasn't said something similar and mm. for the most part it has shocked most people about their attitude towards their bodies and I think until you live in that moment and I guess I'm saying this as someone over the last couple of years, you know, granted I competed last year for the last time and, but my attitude towards that was so different um, compared to years previously in, in my competitive bodybuilding career. 
whereby I, I was so much more relaxed and post post show I was so much more relaxed and mm. because my mindset is is so much more on performance now as opposed to aesthetic but regardless of that I think everyone experiences maybe body dysphoria dysmorphia or um you know the way that they look in different ways I think it would be less common regardless of how extreme you experience that for someone to say I'm freaking out freaking out freaking out the whole time and so desperate to to make changes to their body again and really struggle with that than riding the wave and and actually really enjoying seeing how their body changes and experiencing that there isn't one person I've spoken to that has had I mean, I guess I'm 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 intrigued to know if there are people out there. So please get in touch if you have been one of those. And there is no judgment here as well. I just want to make no. that really clear. I, I I want to understand it from all perspectives. So if you are someone that has experienced the change in your body throughout pregnancy and post-pregnancy and you found it to hit you really hard mentally and, and you found it a real struggle then please get in touch because I'd love to hear that opinion as well because I haven't experienced that yet with anyone everybody's been like you Mel and said what what an amazing transformation it allowed you to have emotionally about your body and 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 I think that if anyone can experience that then that's huge for your future Mm. mental well-being as well so that's amazing so how going back into training how long did it take you to get back to pre-pregnancy integrity intensity you mentioned that a couple of weeks after you did body weight and that's where it started how long do you think it took you to kind of get back to where you were before pregnancy so jack was born in the october and i went back to the gym properly in december and then covid hit obviously in the the february time right so then there was a talk about the gyms you know lockdown and the gyms closing and i was like and i was obviously petrified about getting covid because i didn't want covid because you know when it first kicked off it was you know mass hysteria wasn't it like Mm. and it was and and i was so scared about giving jack covid and and bringing covid home and and so i got back into the gym for about four weeks and I had really started hitting my training and really started enjoying it. And I was starting to, you know, lift heavier again. And, and then I was, then COVID happened and that was that. <laughs> so my gym journey had yet again sort of started and then stopped. Um, so what did you do? I just did my home workouts, you know. And you know what? I absolutely loved them. And mm-hmm. um, I found a whole new level of appreciation for home workouts again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got really, really fit. You know, like there's not, there's only so much you can do at home, right? I haven't got a leg press. I haven't got a squat rack. I haven't got any of that. So it was all like, again, got into more fitness stuff. I was doing like circuits and burpees and, and I got really fit. And actually I did um, a circuit yesterday not yesterday, the day before at home, one of my lockdown ones, and I nearly died. And I was like, <laughs> crap, I was actually fit a couple of years ago, you know, when lockdown had hit us. And I, I did. And I would say that I probably got back, you know, into a really, really good routine, feeling really good in my fitness levels and my body again. I would say probably it took me about six months. Yeah. You know, I didn't put any pressure on myself um, because sleep deprivation was very real. My kid (laughs) is absolutely insane. I had two different sleep (laughs) consultants to try and help me who told me basically that Jack is beyond help. Um, (laughs) And and, and I and I don't know if any like mums have been through this and and there is no judgment from me at all. You do what you need to do when it comes to sleep. Right. But I had one of the consultants say to me that you just have to leave him in the room and let him cry and just leave him to cry after a couple of nights he will realize you're not going to him and he will sleep through and um and I I know a couple of friends that that's really really worked well for right but I I couldn't do it I would hear him crying and it would I'd be like no I need to go to him like I can't I can't leave him so I didn't follow some of the sleep consultants advice which may be now why it's still nearly three years old he still doesn't sleep through um (laughs) So maybe I should have, but uh, yeah, so I didn't put any pressure on myself because I was still quite sleep deprived. I was Mm. still, um, you know, I didn't have maternity leave. I was basically answering check-ins again two days after giving birth. (laughs) So, you know, I I still had to do my job. um, So I couldn't, you know, I just didn't put any pressure on myself. and And I just thought if it takes me six months, if it takes me a year, it takes me however long it takes me, I'm just enjoying moving. I'm enjoying you know, eating healthy, I'm just enjoying the whole process and, you know, enjoying being a new mum because it's, it's nuts. Like these little people just 
keeping them alive and then doing new stuff and you know just when they first learn to smile when they first learn to laugh and yeah so I would say it took me like six months um to get to a place where I felt more or less I still was carrying an extra couple of pounds but more or less like where I was pre-pregnancy yeah that's and that's still I think we all feel this pressure from the media and seeing these incredibly slim fit mums who have probably three nannies and and a personal trainer living at home with them who bounce back pretty much what feels Mm. like immediately to to do the same and actually in reality most people um they may even be on maternity leave regardless of whether they have to work or not like you or what I will have to do the same it's you have a baby to look after and they are 100% reliant on you Mm -hmm. for feeding for comfort for absolutely everything so to expect yourself to jump back to where you were so quickly I think is so unrealistic and that's something that as much as I'm really excited about post-pregnancy challenge of of getting back to where I was perhaps even further on than that that's what I'd like I'm not expecting that to happen quickly I'm you know I'm fully fully prepared that ultimately look I want a baby and that's what I'm gonna have so that's gonna be my focus um so yeah I'm I'm, that's I think six months is an amazing amount of time to get back to where you were pre-pregnancy you know it's think about how quickly time has gone from from when you were pregnant to now Jack's nearly three you know that that's that's a nearly four years of your life that has flown (laughs) by so six months is nothing in the grand scheme of things yeah um so I have a question that I've uh, that I've asked and I will ask all my ladies, especially those that are coaches and, and have experience like you do with your professional bodybuilding days. I know that training for you throughout pregnancy was 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 uh, you weren't weren't able to do any of that. And that was totally understandable. But in your experience now being a coach and working with perhaps pregnant women and mums post-pregnancy, do you think that it's possible to change aesthetically, i.e. improve muscle tone and appearance whilst women are pregnant? This isn't anything to do with post-pregnancy, it's during pregnancy. Do I think they can grow muscle during pregnancy? Right. Do you think that it's possible for women to change aesthetically, i.e. I'm not saying lose weight, because obviously that isn't the goal for a pregnancy, but you know, if someone was to come to you and perhaps they are wanting to see a change in their arms or their legs or you know anything Mm -hmm. like that do you think that that's possible yes I do um but but not from like um a point of view of them like really really training hard and you know all of that sort of thing but I think that sometimes for a lot of us when we're pregnant, I mean, not everybody, because some people eat, you know, unhealthy, not unhealthy. What am I trying to say here without offending anyone? So some people really are a lot more conscious of how they eat when they're pregnant, right? Because they know they're not just, those nutrients that they're eating are not just for them, they're going for into their baby as well. Um, and do not get me wrong, I had my fair share of McDonald's when I was pregnant, so probably why Jax really loves McDonald's hash browns, and that's <laughs> not good. <laughs> but... Um, I I believe that, you know, I have worked with a few pregnant ladies and I'm not saying they magically transformed their body, but they have managed to stay or get just a tiny bit tighter in some areas. You know, obviously they're eating enough, um, but it's more just staying healthy and it's more just keeping their movement going, keeping strong, making sure they don't lose muscle Mm -hmm. and making sure that, you know, because your recovery after pregnancy it can be a lot faster if you are training through your pregnancy. Your birth can be a lot easier if you are fit, healthy and strong as well, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you've got more stamina for, for birth itself. Mm-hmm. So I don't, stuff, do you know what? It's a tough question. I do mm-hmm. think, what did, what did other people say? I, I do believe that you can change, but it's not like on a dramatic, you know, right. drastic term. It's just how you look after yourself through pregnancy and how you train. Absolutely. I think, wait on. <laughs> I think, of course. And, I, and like the question isn't based around trying to change aesthetically and, and lose body fat. That isn't the question. I think it was more um, thinking about being selfish, basically, about myself, because I know that, uh, as people know, uh, following me and following my journey, that I'm a bodybuilder turned crossfitter and now fully involved in that sport. 
Um, but I also know that there's going to come a time, there already are adaptations that I'm having to make to my training, that CrossFit is going to be um, unachievable for me in terms mm. of the intensity, in terms of the, yeah. the movement patterns and the skills that are required. So that before I even had conversations with my coach, my CrossFit coach or uh, uh, with other people, it already came to my mind that there was going to come a time that my training was going to transition mostly to bodybuilding type training, resistance yeah. basics, resistance training, going back to my roots and working more on isolation. And it, it was just a question that I wanted to ask people with their own experience, whether that be coaching or personally, whether that change of stimulus, essentially, I, I made the assumption that the change of stimulus would be hugely beneficial for mm. um, you know, in changing my muscle tone because at the moment there is very little isolation that I do in the movement patterns because it's all pretty compound work when it comes to resistance and those movements or you know skill work or whatever so I guess it was more just in your experience have you have you seen people go through um, aesthetic changes and, and tighten up exactly like you say which you have which which I think is a really nice thing to know if you are someone that is perhaps worrying about their training changing throughout pregnancy I think it was something that I was a bit apprehensive about you know I'm, oh, I'm not going to be able to do what I love to do but actually again looking at it positively I'm, I'm looking forward to the change going back to my roots and, and challenging my body in a different way mm. um, without the intensity that I would usually carry throughout throughout training so so yeah it was just to see if you had experienced it with any of your clients which sounds like you have yeah, and, and I think that um, even when you have to make adaptations, when you, when you change your training, like you say, that new stimulus, your yes. body has to respond to it right. because it has no choice, right? So mm -hmm. you, you may find that you get a bit stronger you know, yeah. throughout your pregnancy because your body has to adapt to the more sort of standard bodybuilding style training mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, and like you say, the isolation of movements would be really interesting actually to follow your journey and see sort of what happens with yeah. that change of training. Cause I, I followed Emma Paveley through her pregnancy as well. And she just, mm -hmm. you know, she, she had such a, her pregnancy is how I visioned my pregnancy going, right? With mm -hmm. how amazing she continued to look through her pregnancy, right. how strong, yes, she adapted, but she just sort of adapted and, and changed things and still remained like really, really fit. And yeah, and um, it would be really interesting to, to follow your journey too. Yeah, I'm excited to see. And again, I'm not likening my journey to anyone else's, but I'm, I'm sorry, I've got to a point now in my pregnancy where my energy is starting to come back thankfully I'm not feeling yeah. nauseous every day so I'm gonna actually start transitioning now in the sense that CrossFit is still a huge part of my day I love it I love the social side of it I love I, I'm actually really in the swing of adapting now and not I'm, and, and I'm over the fact that I'm not going to be the best in the class you know I've, ta I've tapered everything back in terms of the intensity and whatever but I'm also now really looking forward to three times a week I'm going to start doing 30 minute isolation sessions bodybuilding mm. type sessions just to kind of get my mindset back into that so when the time comes where I go to a class a CrossFit class and I'm like oh, I can't do any of this today <laughs> I feel I don't feel like I've hit a wall and I feel right now's the time I can go back to what the other stuff that I've been yeah. practicing and and not feel like there is this need to leap between one one style of training to another so yeah I'm excited about what what you know how my training journey will continue and how it will continue to change train change if I can speak um so final question yes and I guess because this isn't related to your personal journey it's more related to your experience of working with other women what advice would you give to strong fit mums to be about training throughout their pregnancy if you could summarize it for us um, I would, I would say that it's really important to listen to your body for one. And I think sometimes this again comes to a mindset thing. Like you are not a weak person just because you are pregnant. You are still a really strong, capable person. You can still train hard. You can still enjoy your training. Yes, you have to make some adaptations, but at the same time, obviously it is important to listen to your body. So it's actually, I think pregnancy is a time where you can start being really intuitive. Mm 
and you can start listening to your body more instead yeah. of just continuing to push it and ignore it sometimes. So yeah. it's, it's a real time to learn about that balance between, yes, working hard because you are actually capable of working hard. Pregnancy you know, doesn't mean you have to stop certain things and sit on your bum like I did unless you have a high-risk pregnancy, right? Yeah. You are still incredibly strong, still capable, still amazing, but just make sure you listen to that to your body you know, when it's telling you to do certain things um, or if you, you know, don't get frustrated if one day your energy is so low and your bump is in the way a little bit and you don't have a great session because that happens whether you're pregnant or not we all have right. days where you know oh today's session was a bit crap oh it's mm. fine you know tomorrow's i'll probably be it'll be better mm. so it's just you know really enjoy your training still remember you're strong and capable still remember that you can do most of the things that you would want to do but just adapt when you need to and and you know listen to your body because and don't get caught up in the fact that you can't do certain things because pregnancy doesn't last yeah. forever you will be able yes. to do it again at some point and so yeah. don't get frustrated just yeah. enjoy the whole journey and enjoy the fact that you are still showing up for yourself in a really healthy way in a way that helps your mindset in a way that will continue to keep your body nice and strong during your pregnancy but then allow you to have hopefully a smoother birth and faster recovery post-pregnancy as well you know what i love that i think there isn't one person that i've spoken to who's the first words weren't listen to your body and i think that that is the crux of training throughout pregnancy but the way that you worded it about remembering that you're still strong and capable i think mm. that that's that's so lovely because we've i know personally certainly in the first trimester i felt really consumed by of of worry about am i overstepping the line um, should I be changing things faster? You know, because you're in this completely new world and, yeah. and you are, I suppose, made to feel a little bit worried, especially in that first trimester when when the baby's development is at its peak and, and you're yeah. told that, you know, that's this basically that's the time when you need to be most worried about the pregnancy being um you know it being a long-term pregnancy being a full-term pregnancy things can things can happen in that time that's the kind of your most vulnerable period so yeah. to remember that you're that actually you're still a fully capable woman you know you don't need to just suddenly unless you're told to you don't need mm. to just stop and do nothing I think that's a really nice way of putting it so yeah amazing so Mel, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I know it's probably not the the normal, um, like you said, when, when I first contacted you, I don't have much to share in terms of training <laughs> yeah. personally throughout pregnancy. But like I said right at the beginning, I think it's so important to share all experiences, especially when you have a coaching background and you work with women throughout pregnancy and post-pregnancy to actually know that you yourself have experienced something that isn't what you'd hoped and what most people want their pregnancy to be and you now have a wonderful healthy albeit crazy three-year-old <laughs> um and you are I must say now as well you know three years on not that I haven't followed your journey I have followed your journey throughout um you know when you first had jack and your transformation then but you look absolutely phenomenal and oh, thank um, you. <laughs> i know from seeing your posts that you are a real you have really transformed not just your body but your mindset and yeah you seem so happy and in such a great place and it's a really lovely thing to see how having this amazing young boy has basically just transformed your life as well it, it really has. And, and I think the word that I would use for my life is content. Like I am just, there are no extremes either way. Life is manic sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I am just so content with my life. And, and Jack has obviously been a complete like whirlwind and, and he continues to be a hurricane in my life. But I am so content with everything. And, and having him is just made me whole I never realized that I fully missed something until I had him and now That's like nice. the love that I have is insane I'm probably going to be that mum that when he gets a girlfriend I'm going to be like she's not good enough for you I'm going to be that <laughs> horrible mother-in-law that's what's going to happen right but yeah um I am I am I'm I'm, I'm at the happiest that I've ever been in my whole life um, oh. since becoming a mum for sure that's that's amazing oh well there's hope for all of us definitely <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you so much for joining me and um as always i wish you and your beautiful little boy all the best um thank you going forward and i hope he has a lovely third birthday because that's around the corner right it is yeah i can't literally in, in october i just can't i can't i, I just can't there we go <laughs> i've got no words for it i can't believe it's only three <laughs> yeah, amazing well yeah all the best to you and thanks again for coming on and no worries, for you guys listening um if you want to get in touch um with me or mel i'll put mel's contact details in the notes too i would love for you guys to to share any questions or your own personal experience perhaps you've had something similar happen to you like mel and um, please let me know I, I would love 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 to hear from you guys or or if you just want to get in touch and and tell me how amazing mel is or how amazing the podcast is i'd love to hear that too so <laughs> you can you can do that by contacting me on the um, on my social media which are all in the notes like i said or you can email me at info at mishapt.com so as always thanks so much for listening um, next week i will be talking back with our in-house podcast midwife charlotte about my 16 week midwife appointment and sharing my first trimester experiences and as i go into my second trimester how things have adapted and changed so thanks again for listening and i will i'm sure you guys will be back soon to hear more from from me and everyone else i've got involved so thanks and see you soon Thank you.